you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Joe is the amazing best-selling author of Killing Marketing. By the way, in that book, there's a story of how we did Flip My Follow Terminus and stuff. Right. So thank you, you for that, it. Joe. No, thank um, you. Epic, yeah. Epic Marketing, which was nam- uh, named as a must-read business book by Fortune Magazine. He's also founded three companies. I think most people know you for uh, Content Marketing Institute and all the amazing content marketing stuff that you brought. In 2014, hear this. This was really cool for me to, to know. He received Lifetime Achievement Award by the Content Council. What else do you got to do once you get a Lifetime yeah, No, award? that just means you're old enough. <laughs> that, that's the... Getting that, I was very humbled to get that award, but at the same time, I'm like, well, now, you know, you reach an age when you're getting lifetime achievement, you know, you've been too long. I'm like, I got to hang it up. This is it. Well, it's like my son saying, Dad, you were born in the 1900s. I'm like, <laughs> man, that just sounds wrong. I know, wow. exactly. <laughs> so anyway, 1900s, I'm like, yeah, thank you. Um, and then I think uh, this is one part where maybe we start here. Uh, you're the foundation that you have Orange Effect um, delivers speech therapy and technology services to children uh, in over 25 states. So I'm wearing orange in support of your Thank orange you. uh, culture and, and the word that you have brought out there in the world. Uh, maybe we start there and we will get into marketing, but I think I know this is a very important mission for you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, so we we've been working on this initiative. Basically, Orange Effect Foundation's goal is we raise funds to give it to kids and families to support their speech therapy needs. Most of these kids, uh, they don't have a lot of the families don't have a lot of money and they really need speech therapy. So they're trying to decide between do I go out and get dinner or can we afford speech therapy? Most of them say, hey, look, we got to eat. And speech therapy is so important. Anyone who you know has been dealing with speech disorders, or it maybe they have autistic children in their lives. If you know somebody who's autistic, speech therapy is so important. So we've been raising funds since 2007. We mm. formalized the 501c3 Orange Effect Foundation in 2014, and now I think we have grants going out to kids in 34 states, wow. which is amazing. And wow. we're just we're just continuing to try to grow it because there's a lot of great organizations that are pushing research in this area. But we're like, okay, what do we do for the kids that already have these speech disorders? They need speech therapy, so. That's that's what we're focused on, or, theorangeeffect.org. So yeah. that's our thing. That is good, man. I, I wanted to share because there's a personal story behind why you started this. There is, yeah. My oldest uh, son was born on the spectrum, and you know he he had no basically just grunts by the time he was two and a half, three years old. And we took him to see a specialist, and the specialist said he would never go to regular schools. He'll never be able to really speak. And of course, as a first time parent, you know, you're devastated. What do we do? And we basically put him on an aggressive program of speech and play therapy. And he was, he was in regular school at six years old with a tutor by eight years old. He didn't need the tutor anymore. And as you and I were talking before, he's about ready to become a freshman in college. Dude, so, and great story. It's, it is a, it is a fantastic, I get a little emotional talking about it, but it yeah. is such a good story. And that's the story we take out and say, this is why it's so important, because if he did not have a, that aggressive speech therapy, 
Who knows? And we just want these kids to be as normal as they want to be, right? Yeah. And if they they all they want to do is communicate and be understood, and and that's what what we're trying to do. Yeah, I love it, man. So I wanted to make sure everybody hears that. Uh, uh, share the URL one more time. So uh, yeah, theorangeeffect.org, the org, E F F E C T, and all the, the information is right there. And actually, you'll if you click on the homepage, you'll see a picture of my son on the cover. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Which he's not he's not really happy about, but <laughs> <you know. laughs> this is this is one moment where you get to embarrass your kid. I mean, who, who no no parent will ever pass that. So he's well, he's really into uh, into uh, information technology and privacy and everything. And he's like, Dad, the only thing people can find out about me is the stuff you shared because of Orange Effect. Would you please stop it? I'm like, okay, no more. But you're on the homepage, so yeah, but, we get that. That's yeah. cool, but that's good. All right, so I wanted, and so this is something that we have in a private marketing group that I have, and if anybody wants access to it, just DM me. A lot of questions came in when I said, I'm talking to Joe, what questions I want you want me to ask? And one of the questions that came up over and over again, Joe, was this idea of like how, and I think Amber, you started that question, who's, who's also listening to this, is like, what has changed in content marketing over the years and where are we going with this? And, and, that, and, and the thing is, you and I were talking before, you know, specific and examples, the things, the stories that you draw up really well with your podcast. By the way, I didn't mention this, but you have a great podcast, The Old Marketing. Um, I, I love that because it talks about the old school, new school all the time. And you and Mark are like just a great, great team together. Um, so check that out. I'll put that link as well in there. But what, can you give everybody, because you are the content king, you, should, you build this whole content you know, marketing institute, uh, in, incredible force of knowledge there. Can you walk us through the evolution of content marketing a little bit? And then what do you see now? Where is it going next? So I'll try to give you the shortest answer yeah. possible. We could talk about this for an hour. But uh, content marketing, it was initially called custom publishing, custom media. It's been done for hundreds of years. Uh, so, you know, all the way back to the days of Ben Franklin trying to pitch his printing services to, you know, Red Bull Media, but it really started to change actually right after the tragedy of 9-11. Every time there's a tragedy, things happen to the practice of content marketing. So after 9-11 happened, you had the first stage of content marketing, which is really when people were like, oh my God, how do we get found in Google and search engines? Uh, You know, uh, do we really have to create? content that's not product oriented and and how do we build an audience and all these things so it wasn't even called content marketing at that point but people were trying to create their own content blogs just went crazy at that point and then you got to the second stage of content marketing which was after the great recession so 2008 2009 and that's when in 2010 content marketing actually became the term hmm. for the industry i think everyone just sort of decided okay that makes the most sense it is a marketing thing and that was all social media push. That's when you had Facebook and Twitter that were really becoming more mature and we can build audiences on other platforms and how do we do that? So that's when you had the Red Bull media houses of the world. You had the Procter and Gamble and Homemade Simple that was born, which by the way, is a great case study for content marketing. They're actually launching their own Homemade Simple products now. So you had the initial starting of corporations, enterprises, small businesses actually taking it seriously. Because before in in the aughts, if you will, they were just, it was just dabbling. Oh, we're just creating this content. We don't know what it's going to do. 
in 2010 to 2015, you started to see formalized processes. You started to see the, the content marketing manager and VP of content roles start to come up in the enterprise. So now you fast forward today and now you've got, you really is again, after another tragedy, this whole coronavirus thing, you've got the third stage of content marketing. And this is when you're probably going to see the biggest jump in move in content marketing. And by the way, got to remember, content marketing is very small. So if advertising is the sun, content marketing is Pluto. It's not even a planet. So when you think about the spend by enterprises, it's very, very small. But it's more as, you know, we talked about it before the show, as companies are, are trying to think, okay, how do we, re- how can we be more authentic, authentic with our customers? How can we really communicate and build trust and loyalty? They can't do that through advertising very well. Right. How do you do that? So can we build a content platform that's truly helpful, that's truly needed in the marketplace? And now you're really going to see, I would say in the next 18 to 24 months, you're going to see some big, big moves. And we can talk about this in more detail, but really what you're starting to see is a lot of M&A. You're starting to see a lot of brands with a lot of cash. And that's what this is the big and a huge change to this whole coronavirus thing. Who would have thought that the biggest companies in the world would even get more money I didn't think that was going to happen. So there's a whole wealth inequality thing going on. But what that means is that the biggest brands have more money to spend. And what they're doing is instead of saying, oh, let's go build the greatest blog or podcast or virtual event series, they're going to go out and start buying it. They're going to go out to media companies that are struggling and they're going to say, oh, look at that content brand. Look at that magazine uh, media property. And they're going to start purchasing. Now, this is happened for a long time. You know, we share in, in Killing Marketing with, with your case study where Aero Electronics, which is one of the, it was a Fortune 119, one of the largest companies in the world. They went out and purchased 51 different media properties. And they, if you said, who's the largest media company in the electronics, B2B electronics space, I'd say, well, it's not a media company. It's Aero Electronics. Wait, wait, wait. And so 51, right? Like, I mean, I, don't, I forgot that number. That was 51? Yeah, they, they have, I think they have 50 some brands and about 50 of them were purchased by two different media companies. And wow. it's, and by the way, that's a profitable, that's not only a profitable entity for them, which means it throws the marketing uh, program throws off excess cash. So think about that. And this is, this is, by the way, where we're headed, because we believe yeah. that the marketing department is going to be profitable in and of itself. So that's one, you know all about that with what you're doing at Terminus. So there's that. And then uh, you you have the whole idea where, yeah, it still, still accomplishes marketing goals. You know, we're still selling more product to people because they're counting on us for information on a regular basis. We have become, Arrow in this case, has become the leading experts in those 50 different mini verticals. Yeah. And so when they want to go buy something, they buy it from Arrow. They don't, they don't think about all the other options out there because they have a relationship with them because of this content thing. And they've kept it very pure. Like they, yeah. And that's the thing. If you do this, you can't throw it into, a, you know, oh, we're going to pitch all our products and services. I think that's the part where a lot of companies, I feel, completely miss it. Like, I, like I remember this, and, and I share this pretty openly. When we, we were talking about Flip My Funnel and, um, and what was interesting recently, like outreach acquired sales hacker, right? Like that whole thing, you'd start thinking about, oh, my God, they acquired a full-on community. But what they continued to do better at is they kept an independent 
um, and kept it going. And the community continues to grow. They continue to push into it. Uh, same thing what we try to do with Terminus and Flip My Funnel is like Flip My Funnel was to create the community, not to pitch Terminus. And our thought was, well, if there are enough people talking about it, then there would be a category. And if there's a category, then it would drive business. So it it is hard, though. It is extremely well, it's, hard. It's hard. Be- and, and you got to remember, almost no companies do this well. I mean, they always want you. You're. You know, you've got a sales team, you've got marketing folks, you've got people breathing down your throat for numbers. And they're like, we want to pitch, pitch, pitch. And as soon as you do yeah. that, you've lost. So yes. you've, got to, you've got to make sure that whatever moat or safety barrier you put around your content platform, you keep the pitching out of it. And I mean zero pitching. Like, yeah. don't pitch at all. This yeah. is your editorial product. Yeah. There will be times later in the process, once you build a minimum viable audience, where you can actually pitch to them. But as you're growing this, and that would be in separate things. It would be in anything outside of the content, just like a media company would. Yeah. So just follow that media company model, which is what we've been trying to teach. And, you know, that like if you, you know, if you look at um, just Red Bull Media House, because we were talking about it and it's yeah. fun. I mean, the, the content itself that they're talking about. Yeah, they've got some branding, but they're not pitching Red Bull. You know, there's no commercials for Red Bull. Right. They're, they're, they're focusing on the entertainment or whatever that you know, video is of motorbikes or though it's all separate that they're doing. And then across from that, once they build that audience, then you know, then they can talk about that stuff, but not in the content. So talk to me about and then people, please drop in your questions because we're gonna we're gonna start really like this is this is your chance to ask questions specifically what's happening in your marketing organization and and, and maybe there are stats and stories that you're gonna hear that's gonna inspire you to go test that that out. One of the questions, again, from, uh, from, from my group I got was around this, this very specifically in the Agnesh, who said, look, every good company, every good marketer right now is talking about having empathy in their content and yeah. not selling. But you got to make quota. There are numbers to meet. There are, like, even if it's a lower number, if there's a number to meet right now as people are doing it. Yeah. So talk to someone who's in marketing right now, who's listening to this and saying, all right, my job is to create two webinars a month, three ebooks a month, like four blog posts a week. Like yeah. you know, th- that is my job as a content marketer or demand gen. Um, my job is to create X number of leads in my, my team so my, I can feed the sales team. Like those are the people who are saying, I have a number and I have a job to do. Tell me how do I do that with content marketing today? Well, I'm probably going to say some things that a lot of people won't like. So here you go. If you, if if you are so pushed and forced for leads right now, like your job is on the line and you need more leads right now, content marketing probably not for you. Let's mm-hmm. just put it out there you, because content marketing is the long game. You're building a long term asset. You ultimately, if you do it right, you could totally dominate your industry. But if you need more leads in six months, go interrupt people. Go use content that interrupts people. Yeah. Which is because you can't build a loyal audience in six months. I mean, most of the research we've looked at, you can build a loyal audience nine to 12 to 18 months. I mean, mm-hmm. when we when we were launching media properties back 20 years ago, and it's still the same today, we had a three-year plan because we knew it took about half that time to actually build the loyal audience and the other half to start monetizing the audience. So, okay, let's put that to the side. So let's talk That's to you and say, hey, okay, great, Joe. What, you know, what do I do? I'm doing all these different things. Here's what I would say if you got, 
eight webinars you're doing and all these lead gen programs. And I would, now is a really good time to reset. Now is a good time to, to say, okay, maybe, maybe I'm pushing out too much content and it's all sort of mediocre. And that's, by the way, that, as you know, most companies are doing this right now. And, and yeah. we, we talk about you, you only have a limited amount of content energy. It's like, yeah. I don't care what kind of resources you have. There's only so many things you can do. And what most companies do is they say, okay, I'm going to take all that energy and I'm going to do a mediocre. So I got Facebook and we do so, so, so at that, a little bit of LinkedIn. Uh, we're going to do a really bad e-newsletter. We're going to do an okay webinar series. Uh, all that, you know, events all down the road. So they do pod, you podcast, throw it all out there. They're doing 15, 16 different things. And most of them are mediocre at best and some of them are pretty bad. So what I would like to see you do, I think this would help for lead gen if you do it right as well, is to take those 15 things and focus on two or three that you could be the best in the world at. I mean, mm-hmm. just, and really com- come up with, you know, the flip my funnel type of thing where you could say, okay, this is going to be the resource for my industry, for my community, for my audience, instead of doing all those things. So whoever said, and I said this in the past, and I'm ashamed of myself for saying it, that you have to be everywhere your customers are at online. That is not true. You do not have to be everywhere your customers are at online. What you have to do is you have to make the most sense of the story you're trying to tell on the platform that makes the most sense for your customers. So that means that you could just say, we're going to create the, the industry leading podcast. We're going to deliver, deliver that every week consistently for the next two years. Yeah. And it's going to be the best thing and it's going to rock our customers world. And then we have a, an e-newsletter that's also first rate. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, if I, you know, and I, you know, I've been doing this for, I've been going into billion dollar companies for a long time and doing audits. And every time I would go in, I never, not one time would recommend them doing more content. It was always less content. Let's focus on what we can be great at and simply forget the rest. So that's for anyone that's listening to this. I want to give you permission to not create so much content and to put a little bit more thought. So you're talking about empathy. You want to show empathy. You want to be authentic. You want to be helpful to your customers. Stop throwing out all the crap that you're throwing out and start focusing on really helpful quality information. Like, and of course we've all seen the, here's our, here's the COVID email that goes out and here's how we're dealing with black lives matters. And those, those things are very, very important, but honestly, you're probably not part of that conversation from a corporate standpoint. What you need to be doing right now is helping your customers get better jobs and live better lives. That's your job. So do that with your content platform. Dude, that is so good. I'm I'm going to take the snippets of here and like, like ping me folks later on. I'm going to take two minute snippets of these and put that in your ringtone or something like that because <laughs> there are some really good sound bites there. Like I'm like, oh, I'm just taking like, I want to jump in here, jump in here, jump in here. So I'm going to jump in a couple of places. And folks, sure. if you have got comments, let me know because, you know, people are already getting takeaways. Like Amber is saying here, you don't have to be everywhere for your customers. Like I am, it's funny, as much as social person people think I am, the only platform really that I'm on is LinkedIn. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on Instagram and maybe maybe once in a while. Um, Twitter is like just whenever there's news or something that I want to jump in there. Facebook is only when I'm doing live. And that's pretty much it because I just realized 
I, I can't do a good job at all of these things. And I like to engage with my audience, not just throw stuff at it. Like when I post something, I want to engage with the comments that are coming in. And that takes time. And I don't want to give it to somebody else to do it. Like I want to do it. So it's, it's, it's something that you just mentioned, like, you know, figure out that one platform or two platform where you just don't try to be everyone. So Amber, thanks for uh, calling, calling that out. Uh, it's, it's about becoming intentional as uh, somebody's saying, <laughs> yeah, be like Joe sound bites are going to go, go viral. Well, well yeah. And I mean, it, it, I think you're, t- you're talking, what you're talking about, what we're talking about is marketing strategy. Yes. And some, but somewhere along the line, we got the idea that marketing strategy meant we had to do all these things in social and create all this content. Marketing yes. strategy is honestly, first thing is about saying no to things. Ooh. So remember that when you're going through your questions, what you want to you, you, you have to actually have an amazing hypothesis behind your marketing strategy to say yes to something from a content creation standpoint. You wow. have to have a truly differentiated, what we call a content tilt. Like it really has to be able to cut through all the clutter that's out there from a content standpoint to that particular audience. You really have to focus on a on a niche audience that's not just plant managers or consumers 15 to 40 or whatever the case is. Like you really have to know who that person is and you go through and through and through. And then when you get through all those questions and it still says, yes, this is a good idea, then you can go forward. But honestly, most of the stuff we're doing, like you don't need... Like it, this is, this is probably, think about this. What if they took all, for everybody listening to this, if you took all your content, all the stuff you create, all the blogs and podcasts, social media posts, everything, and you put it in a box and you close that box, seal it up and throw it away. Would your customers even notice? Hmm. And if your customers wouldn't notice, which they probably, let's be honest, they probably wouldn't for most of us, then you've got a problem then you probably have to rethink why you're even creating any of this content in the first place. I love that, man. Um, I would, when, when we were on the speaking circuit and actually going to the event, like this is what I would do is like, you know, and then we can do this because we have a chat going on over here right now from, from all these folks is saying, you know, let me know when your customer actually, when, when you don't send an email, your newsletter or whatever it is, the week you don't do it, they almost respond back and saying, Hey, I miss that. That's email. right. Right. Well, they miss it. If they don't, you don't need to do it. And uh, so I, we did this as a marketing exercise. Like imagine just a, just every, all problems in the world can be solved by two by two matrix. Like it's just so I've seen it so many times. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give up two by two. But in a two by two, if you go like, we would map it out saying your content from one X to 10 X of the impact that it creates for your customers. And, and the way you figure that out is by doing what exactly what you said. You stop doing slowly the things that don't matter. And if nothing changes, you just took away one thing from, from your list of to-dos. So right. to start figuring that out, and when and there will be a pressure point and a pain point, hopefully, that would say, oh, our customers really, this drove business, this drove value. There were more conversations. And then you're like, okay, now let's double down on it. But on the other spectrum, what we created, and Joe, I'm curious to get your feedback on this, sure. was this high-tech to high-touch experience. And we said, well, as much as we would like to do high-tech everything, we need to figure out what are the high-touch experiences that we can create. And what we started to find out that there was this incredible impact that was happening in the process where where we actually got closer to high touch 
and more intimate events, an example of that one would be having a hundred people event versus a 10 people event. Like that would be, that would drive more business, more value, more conversation, more depth, more content, uh, valuable content as, as we talked about and create a more 10x impact on the business as a whole, as well as the customer there, you know, in, in terms of what they see and perceive value out of it. So I, we started to create this quadrant and start to measure it. And it has been like really powerful. You know, that's, that's a great point. I mean, my whole thing, when you talk about, you know, frequency impact, you want to remember, you want to actually create the minimum amount of content for the maximum amount of results. So how do you create less content and more results? That's what we all should be thinking about. It's not more content, less results. It's not more content, more results. It's less content for the maximum amount of results. That's really, really important to think about. So, you know, you, if you want some, you know, examples, we used to do little, you know, little content marketing worlds all over the place back yeah. in the day, little workshops. And then we figured out, we did the math kind of like the way you did it. And we said, you know what? Having one big event makes the most sense. So we did the one big event in Cleveland every September, and that worked out fairly well. But for teaching, just hardcore teaching under content strategy, we realized that that was about a 50 to 75 person group, and we did those in 12 different cities. Yeah. So that's kind of what you have to think about with who you're trying to target and what your overall goals are. Yeah, I'm, we're, we were always throwing things on paper and making sure is, do we have, should we be doing this? Yeah. Just ask yourself that. Should we be doing this? Should you even be posting anything on Facebook at all? Yeah. Not, maybe you should. But are you asking you the, yourself the question? Because generally what happens with most of us who get into these marketing positions or say, here's the stuff, you, here's all the boxes you have to check every day. Yeah. Got to do the yeah. lead gen webinar. Got to do the, you know, the six tweets a day separated by two hours, blah, 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 that nobody cares about. Yeah. And it's no, really no, nothing like on that. And we still keep doing it. Like another email, just in case you missed the nine emails I sent you. Oh here's my the gosh. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it with the email. Like uh, here's another good. So Andy Crestedino, who we all know is, is fantastic. You know, he made this decision a long time ago. He used to create tons of content every week on his blog. And then he started to say, look, I think if I create just one amazing post every month, mm. one a month, that's truly amazing. And it is. He can have more impact. And he has. And he'll show you. He goes on and say, here's what it's done for me. Just creating wow. one amazing blog post. Most of us would say, oh, my God, I can't do that. I can't just I can't justify my position by just creating one amazing. But if you did one incredible research program for the industry that really did like, would it be better? It might be. Yeah. So just just run through the hypothesis and see if that that's something you should do. And that, that's where people say, Joe, I don't have the time to be the best in the industry or the world on this. I said, I know you don't because you're doing 17 different things a day. You have no time to be strategic. Let's be strategic. Let's be strategic. All right. So, oh my God. So there's so many conversations. And again, um, I know Kaleem, he's, he's all about highly visual experiences. Uh, so Kaleem, I can't wait for us to deconstruct this in our in our uh, little group. But here's a question from Fahim. Uh, what if, you create content and push them out via paid ads. In your experience, will that help reduce the 18-month audience building phase you talked about? Uh, theoretically, yes. I have no problem. I mean, I think the best use of paid media is to build an audience. Mm. So if you go out and you really target an audience, say you're using Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, and you have an amazing content giveaway that opts them into something, you can build that audience, yes. 
theoretically, it should work to get that. The other thing, so let's say, yes, that will. Hopefully that'll work for you because any paid media, any influencer programs, any of those things. I mean, the, the most important thing you should be thinking about is just when you start anything is just to build audience. I don't want you to monetize it at first. Monetizing yeah. actually will probably hurt it. Just like you set your goal, say, I want to get to 5,000 email subscribers. All you should be thinking about is how do I get 5,000? How do I hook, you know, work with my influencers on this? What paid media program should I do to build that? Then you can go ahead and look at, you know, building that out or diversifying that. The other thing is we talked about MA before. Is there, are there, like, do your competitive analysis? Who else is reaching my customer, that specific mm-hmm. customer you're going after, in what? Are they doing podcasts? Are they doing email newsletters? Do they have mini magazines? There's an opportunity right now, and we, you know, for the next two years, I don't see that, that going away, but people are starting on it. Go out and buy it. Yeah. Go out and purchase little media properties. When at Content Marketing Institute, we wanted to have a West Coast event, and we said, do we launch a West Coast event or do we build a West Coast event? And this is what you learn in publishing. And so by growing up in publishing, that was very important for me because I was told, don't look at building anything organically ever, ever, ever if you can buy it. Because you'll shorten shorten that 18 months down to nothing. So I don't want, let's say, oh, I want to build the content platform empire and I don't want to wait five years. Well, go out and buy it. And then you might say, well, how much does that stuff cost? Well, you can get some amazing things for five figures, believe it or not. Yeah, It's just most of us aren't thinking about it. So we wanted to go out and build a world's leading awards program. How do we build the content marketing worlds? Well, there was one already available. Mm. Well, we went in negotiations and six months later, we had the content marketing awards. Mm. So that just in the right away, we had the world's leading awards. Was it worth the money spent? Absolutely. Yeah. It was a no brainer. So start to think about, make your list right now of, wait, what are those possible media assets that we could go out and purchase? Because honestly, a lot of those media companies are hurting. They're ab- they're based on advertising. Advertising budgets are, you don't know where they're going to go right now. Most of them have been hit pretty hard. So there's a huge opportunity there. Dude, that is almost like opposite to what most people are thinking about or doing it because you're literally saying you don't have to go from zero to 0.1, 0.2, 0.3. You actually, if you have the time and if you're in a company right now and you're trying to do something like this, you can actually go and buy because I don't think most companies are even thinking about it. They will hire a content marketer to start building this and expect immediate results but if you want immediate results, maybe they should consider doing something like that. Are you, are you seeing companies like actual corporate organizations doing that right now? In, in, uh, yeah, I mean, if you yeah, if you look at the content marketing research that CMI has been doing forever, that n- the number of content creation percentage versus content distribution or paid distribution yeah. has been going more toward more on the distribution and less on the content for a long time. So that's been the trend. It used to be oh, we're going to 90% on content creation and 10% on distribution. And that's slowly going this way, where if you were to say, if you were to start something, let's say that you, let's just, you know, we're simplifying it, but let's put your 100% of your budget into content creation and then distribution. And you said, Joe, how much should I put on creation versus distribution? You should put about 25% on content creation, 75% on distribution. Wow. That's what you, absolutely. I mean, what, yeah, it, if you if you if you don't 
see a tree or hear a tree fall, does it fall? I mean, the same thing. If you create a piece of content, nobody pays attention to it. Are you are you doing anything? No, you're probably not. So let's so, talk about in, in that case, one thing that I'm we have been advocating a lot lately around is that gated versus non-gated content. Because one of the things that I've seen people do over and over again, great piece of content, great, amazing, but nobody reading it to your point. Yeah. And if you ungate it, then you're probably going to get a lot more eyeballs and, and get people to, to look at it. But sure. you may not get the list, email, if you, if you will. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, honestly, I would look. At, yeah, you need one, one really good, amazing, talked about in your industry, gated piece of content. Yeah. You only need one. That's it. And, and of course, and I'll say if you need to update it every quarter, great. Say you're going to create a new one every quarter. I mean, we did... Uh, we just did, we basically had an annual, we did the annual research guide and everybody wanted it every year. So that would be our, you know, our lead gem, but everything else is free. So I'm, you know, I'm the kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, by the way, because if you're a media company, you have a lot behind a subscriber firewall. It yeah, really yeah. depends on your business model, but let's say you just have your traditional product or service company. I would say that, you know, your blogs are free most of your research reports are free. Your mini magazine is free. Every, you know, all that stuff is free. Webinar is probably free, but that's a good gated piece of content as well. And then you have one amazing piece that gets them into your e-newsletter that hopefully is the best e-newsletter in your industry. Right. Honestly, you do that. That's how most, that's how most content platforms get started. That's how Homemade Simple is now a multi-million dollar content brand for Procter & Gamble. They just started with a blog and an e-newsletter. And they did that for five years. I mean, that's it. Wow. So just, you know, just, the, just do me, where do I get ideas from? And like, this is where I get ideas from. Like, like this, this is the kind of stuff where I think I personally sometimes put too much pressure. on. like, I got to create a whole bunch of gated piece of content or pieces, amazing pieces of content. But the reality is when I think about what we did with Flip My Funnel, now I think about it is what worked for us really well was the ABM survey report, the state, the state of industry Every year we would do that for like five years in a row yep. and we would look back and what it is. And that was all the podcast is free. The con the blogs that come out of it is free. And, and, and but that just one piece of content will give us hundreds and hundreds of like people jumping in. And now those are part of our. our so, so here's a good, I, and I, this was in, in both my last books, but you could probably find it. If you, if you type into Google, uh, Walt Disney, 1957 visual content strategy or something like that. So, so this is Disney World's business model. It's the same thing we're talking about today. And Disney World is in the middle. And then there's all these things on the outside. So he, so basically Walt Disney wanted everyone to go to Disney World. That's how they monetized most everything. And then they had movies and radio and, uh, and uh, comic books and books and all this stuff on the outside, which didn't make them a lot of money. But that's that's where they hooked them in, just like your podcast does, just like this show does, and gets yeah. them to go to whatever you want them to pay for. So create yeah. all that quality, and that's this. We did the same thing with Content Marketing Institute. Content Marketing World was in the middle. That's where we actually made our revenue and profit, and everything else on the outside was pretty much for free. Great. So, so that it's it's the same model as Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still using that model. They're really still using that model. 
for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it's almost apologetic to like saying, ah, oh, this is the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun on the hub and spoke model of business uh, sounds very, very similar. Well, that's how, I mean, that's how content platforms are built. So it's that, yeah. that's the, great. That we just should look at that. One of the things you, you, you talked about, and I was going through, through notes on this one, Matt, so many things to jump in there. Podcasting. Let's just talk yep. about it. a lot of people are in podcasting. They're doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. Um, the, the part that's really interesting for me, and I was sharing this with you before we started to record, I just turned all my podcasts into live streams. So whenever I want to have great conversations, I'm setting that up. It's Monday, Wednesday, 9 a.m. Um, and that's kind of the podcast. So instead of just having the conversation in a just you and I, now we get 100 other people. And over the week, over 4,000 people would listen to this. Um, and I'm like, well, that's fantastic because now I get to see who's listening, have a conversation, build a personal relationship with them, invite some of them um, that, to this private community that we're building. And it, it is a fun, really fun exercise to go through it. But here's the reality of it. I would do a podcast even if nobody ever showed up, ever, to my podcast. And the reason I say that is because I'm also trying to do something else. And I think this is why goals are very important. One of the recent posts that you did was around, like, figure out what you really want out of it. Yeah. For me, it is the relationships that I'm building with folks like you and folks like others and like our customers, a lot of times I'll just bring in Terminus customer. We won't even talk about Terminus, but now I have a relationship with a CMO of a publicly traded company or whatever. And now there's a relationship that later on can turn into something else for me, for our company, for our teams and whatnot. A lot of people I feel are trying to immediately figure out how do I make money on my podcast? How do I, uh, how do I get 100,000 subscribers or half a million subscribers like you and I have on our podcast? And I, I just like I'm just like I don't think people are even starting to think the value of relationships, the value of time that you put in, the value of conversation that falls in. So I want to hear your thesis on your podcast and strategy around that. The original strategy for doing this old marketing podcast was was honestly to build relationships with the customers, and we wanted to create something for the most loyal of our audience. And actually, that's what happened. So. The, the the personal story for me is when I used to go out on the speak when I used to go on the speaking circuit because right now I'm not going out on the speaking circuit. Yeah. But so let's go back to 2013, 2014. So I go out, they would say, Joe, I love your book. Joe, I love the blog. Joe, I love content marketing world. That's when people came up to me personally. That's what they would do. As soon as that podcast came out, 99% of those reactions were, God, Joe, I love the podcast. It is, it is such a personal medium. Yeah. I was blown away by the impact that could make. So you're talking about relationships with the people that you interview. Like our show is not an interview show. It's just yeah. a conversation. It's, it's like a pardon the interruption type show from ESPN. That's kind of what we based it on. And everything is about, boy, that, that we, every week they want that. And we deliver to them consistently over time. And we built relationships with those people, even though we didn't meet them. So that was one of our goals for, you know, for me personally, and let alone for Content Marketing Institute is how do we positively affect the most amount of people that we will never meet? Mm. So how do you do that? A podcast is a fantastic way to do that. So I love yours because you're, you've got multiple goals going on. You're not only building an audience, but you're building a relationship that's ultimately going to help your business. 
who knows where those th- things can go. I mean, you're basically just having a touch base phone call. It just happens to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, I just, it does. I and think it, it's great. It, it is fascinating. And, 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 and I was asked this, like, Hey, you, this is a flip my phone is a daily podcast. And even in the daily podcast, it's, I just do one. The four other ones are run by the community members. Yeah. And I'm, and people who know me know uh, this. And I think you shared this in the book concept is that without a community, I believe you're simply a commodity. Our community is what defines us. I mean, I don't know if most of us, when we're thinking about lead gen and demand gen, most of the time we're thinking about we need leads, we need to sell stuff. Are we thinking about how do I make my audience's life better today? Yeah. That's where the revenue down the road will really come in. But we don't think about that because we want immediate results. But if you want long-term results and you want to build an asset that will will basically be a change machine for you for years and years and years and years, ATM machine, then you have to figure out how you're going to solve your customer's problem today that has nothing to do with your product or service. It has to do with the information you're providing. It's very hard to do. It's an editorial mentality. A lot of people can't do it. So that's why you, that's why it's better to make the decision. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this because when I go into a company and I, they are talking about they want to be serious about content marketing. I'm like, look, either be serious about it or don't do it at all. Yeah. Just go do traditional marketing stuff. Some of the, I mean, a lot of it still works. I'm not bashing traditional marketing, but I'm saying is if you want a long-term investment and in building an asset, content marketing is the best way to go. It just takes okay. time to do it. A lot of patience, a lot of, a lot of passion. Yeah, I love it. All right. So I'm going to, in interest of time, um, and I can't wait with with like I, I see Kaleem and Amber and some of the folks in the in, in, in our group like we're gonna deconstruct this so many different ways. So I can't wait to do that because there's so many big ideas here. Uh, but as, as we go in, love for you before I try to summarize some of the big ideas. I wrote down like four pages of notes over here. Is an example of a company that you can think of that is doing it well right now in the current circumstances and then if you can't say the name of the company maybe just the industry or an example so people can take that as like something that inspires them to take an action oh i mean i'll give you two the one we already talked about like my my favorite if i was to gush all over an example the aero electronics example is the one i would look up i've done multiple blog posts on it so people want more information on how we how they break that down just put aero electronics and then put polizzi or something like that p-u-l-i-z-z-i and it'll come up as a blog post in google i love the way that they they built some organically most by m&a but the they kept the editorial product pure it was really really important on how they did that and by the way and this they did it through podcasts and blog posts and media and all those types of things. So that's one. The second one, and I'm going to just throw a shout out to my friend, Ann Hanley. um, Because Ann Hanley's newsletter is, is really unbelievable. It's very personal. She puts a lot of time and effort into it. It's it's something you can only get in her e-newsletter. And she's built, you know, I don't know how many, 20, 30,000 subscribers in a very short period of time, almost all organically just by, communicating what she feels that her audience needs to hear. Yeah. And she does it in a very personal way. And the why I love that, so Aero Electronics is your industrial, here's how you build a content platform, you can do it. And then on the other side, you have Ann Hanley, who's just, just created an e-newsletter that works. So yeah. you, do, 
that you don't have to do everything. You could do one or the other. So if you said, Joe, I'm, you know, I'm just an entrepreneur, go with the Ann Hanley type route. Yeah. If you, you know, if you work for Intel and their content marketing division, which they've done some really good things with their IQ program, you might say, we're going to, we need to build something bigger because of who we're trying to target. So just start out with what's the, what's the thing that you can be the leading expert in the world to your customers and really help them on a regular basis. That's what you should be thinking about. Then you can think about how you're going to do it. Love it. All right. I'm going to give a couple of shout outs to the people who have been uh, jumping in. Paul, good to see you over here. Anne Hanley is totally like people love Anne Hanley. So you drop that name in. It's, it's like. Oh, who doesn't love Anne? Everybody yeah. loves Anne. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like Colleen, you totally, I, I feel like there's a lot of really, really good recaps. I love Amber because she always does recaps right here, which are like, be serious about content marketing. Don't do it at all. And, and I think that's one of the takeaways for me is like, if you're doing it half heartedly, I think, I think you're actually tarnishing your brand yes. and, and a lot of people don't recognize like people are, if, if people are not watching your tweets, but what they're watching engagement. Um, if they're not, if nobody's opening your email, then they are kind of like saying, I wish this would stop at, at some point. So you're kind of really tarnishing. So people, I don't think a lot of people think about that as well as much. So we, I can't wait to, to deconstruct you. Here are a couple of big ideas. And then Joe, let's wrap it up with one practical takeaway for people to do today that you can tell them and then how people can reach out to you. So my three big takeaways of this. You said marketing strategy is about saying no to things. I thought, I thought that was a brilliant way of putting it, uh, worth putting it out there in front of you if you want to write a note and, and put a sticky like I do a lot of times. It's like, it's not about saying more, more, more. It's about saying, what can I do with less content and more results? And you gave a great examples that you have done and others have done. We did with Slipon Funnel too. It's like one amazing piece of camp content that people will salivate over has tremendous value. That's your lead magnet, if you want to call that. And then everything else is more of the hub and spoke model, like the Disney's of the world that, that yeah. you share. Second, you, and this was really, really interesting. You're like, you don't have to be on every platform your customers have to be. And I think you and I have probably said that the opposite yeah. of that once upon a time. So yeah. for Ernest, like, you know, uh, we, we all have tried that and recognize it fails. It's not the right answer. The answer is find one thing, be great at it, so good that people would talk about it like you just talked about Ant Handley on at somebody else's show without even uh, even being prompted to do that. And and the last thing is that this is again something that I'm I didn't think about until this conversation, but you recently wrote on your uh, said talked about on your podcast and and your content. You talked about acquiring content engines or groups or or whatever is going on in your industry as opposed to creating and writing it from ground up. I think that's a new idea for a lot of people. Uh, it almost sounds too like, well, that's not what marketing is supposed to do. We're not in the business of acquiring businesses or like things, uh, but that might be the one thing that will literally take you from zero to hundred immediately. And now you start bad, making it better, but you have to be, uh, I'll punch this 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 point that you made. You have to be pure in your editorial of it because if the day you do it, as you said, you just you just lose it if you start pitching on it. So I love that pure mindset on it. All right, with that, there are a lot more that will be constructed in this group. Uh, but uh, what is the one takeaway that people can say? All right, do this right now, and where can they see uh, find you? 
Yeah. So just follow up on your point real quick. Mergers and acquisitions the, that are will be in the marketing function in the next five years. So those that want to get ahead in marketing, so I guess that's one thing. Those that want to get ahead in marketing, learn about the art of M&A in publishing. You'll get way ahead of the rest of everyone else. The thing I would recommend that people do right now is think about which social program, you, social media outlet you could stop doing. So that's what I would recommend. Challenge yourself. See yeah. if you can get off of one of those platforms uh, before it becomes meaningless anyways. Uh, and then for me, you know, I mean, there's lots of you reach out for me, joepolizzi.com, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I.com. But, you know, the, the thing that started this off is I got a new book. It's free. It's called Corona Marketing. I got 13 things in there. A lot of some of the stuff we covered, some of what we didn't, that will help you in your job, especially in this recessionary environment. You can get that at coronamarketingbook.com. And again, that's, so that's my little gated piece of content. It's free. It's yeah. absolutely free, though. You get my e-newsletter. All that kind of stuff. So there you go. And it's really good. I think, Joe, you're a good man. I love the orange effect. I love where your heart is. And I love what you do for the community. It's, 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 it's pretty heartwarming. I look up to you for a lot of this inspiration. So thank you for taking the time and joining me and the team here. Thank you for having me. Love it. Love your community. Everyone's so, uh, so nice and helpful. And this, is, this has been a great opportunity. I appreciate it, man. Awesome. All right, folks. So uh, real quick, uh, next Monday, again, pitch. Like, as I said, Joe, if you want to let anybody know, every Monday at 9 a.m., people come and pitch their idea, their business, their content. If there's a salesperson, I politely tell them, hey, just come in 9 a.m. Monday morning and pitch me in front of 4,000 people. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that, uh, which is like, why wouldn't you if you're a salesperson? But anyway, so Monday morning, 9 a.m., people can do that. Or uh, and next Wednesday, I'm doing Henry, who's the CEO of Zoom Info, talking about how they took it from zero to 360. I'm looking forward to learning again. So again, Joe, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.